Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Well, you may have heard people complain or explain, God doesn't do miracles anymore. This is 2022. God is not doing any miracles anymore. Where's the parting of the Red Sea? Where's... Raising people from the dead that we read about in the Bible. Where are the blind receiving their sight back? The crippled walking again. Well, I tell you this. God is still doing those things. And I bet if I asked for a show of hands in our small gathering here tonight, how many people have had physical healing from God? And if I was going to add emotional healing from God, every hand is up. And I can certainly raise my hand on both of those. And um, what would I, you know, so obviously he's still, and of course he's using doctors, but his Holy Spirit, especially on the emotional healing and the spiritual healing, his Holy Spirit's doing that work. And as we're walking with him, and he's, you know, making us more like his son. And that takes a lot of garbage out of our lives. And, you know, I always talk about I love science. And uh, God's truth, you know, really puts a, a framework. There's, a, there's absolute truth. I don't know if you heard this. Um, I remember when I was in school, there's relative truth, right? You, what is your truth? And what is your truth? And what is your truth? And I mean, it sounds so smart, so smart that your head fall, your brain falls out of your head. But I found out when I became a Christian, there's absolute truth. There's a, one question that has been puzzling sciences since, since the beginning of time. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Anybody? The chicken. It's like the easiest question now. God created chickens, and the science still can't figure it out. Anyway, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. And what if I told you this? God is doing thousands, literally thousands of miracles every Sunday in churches across the United States. Oh, the United States is not a Christian nation anymore. And maybe culturally, you know, things are pretty dire, certainly politically, etc. I won't go too much there this time around. But, um, you know, as much as we bash the, the church in the United States, God is using the church in the United States to do thousands and thousands of miracles every week. We have one or two of them right here in our little church almost every week, sometimes three or four. Now, if you know me, and if you know the title of the sermon, uh, you already know where I'm going with this. Every time someone professes faith in Jesus and becomes a child of God, that, my friends, is a miracle. You see, at that moment, that person's spirit that was dead is made alive and is sealed with God's Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And they receive the mind of Christ. We, re- we have the mind of Christ inside of us, the Word says. And their sins are wiped clean, and they trade in their unrighteousness for the very righteousness of God. Tell me that's not a miracle. They go from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Two, three, four. They receive as a gift eternal life with God, And that eternal life with God starts at that very moment. You don't have to wait till we get to the other side. I'm going to be in God's presence when I get to the other side. 
Uh, we were in God's presence just during the worship. <laughs> so it starts at that moment when that miracle happens in your heart, in your spirit that gets sealed with God's. And whenever I have the privilege to be up here and deliver a message, and when I lead a prayer of repentance and faith at the end, I almost always mention afterwards that when one, when one comes to faith in Christ, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels. Turn to Luke 5, 15, chapter 10. Let's see how long I can wait. I have one sentence to get there. See here. So here's where I get that from. Luke 15, chapter 10. Okay. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And that is Jesus speaking at the end of the parable of the lost coin. Here you have a lady, she has ten coins, she loses a coin, she sweeps the whole house and finds it and calls the neighbors. What is this, a Bitcoin? <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, this is an expensive coin. Hey, Nancy, I found that lost coin. Come celebrate with me. Hey, Jude, I did that on purpose. Hey, Jude, I found the coin. Party at my place. Uh, this is also the parable after the parable of the lost sheep how the shepherd leaves the 99 to find the lost one. And so it is with us. Jesus, the good shepherd, came after us because we were lost. Because without him, we're already condemned. But when we accept his gift of salvation through faith, it's a party in heaven. And it's a party here too. We always clap. When people come into the kingdom, because we know how exciting that is. We know what God has done in our lives since we became Christians. And for some people, God takes things away from them instantly, like miracles happen. Not just the miracle of salvation, but other miracles happen. For others, we have, you know, me. We have to walk it out. We have to walk it out. And I haven't arrived yet, but, you know, I have, I'm not who I once was. Praise the Lord. And this miracle is happening again and again and again in this broken country of ours. This country that's no longer a Christian nation. So I kind of take offense to that because there's a big remnant in the United States still. Big remnant. And so even as our elections... So, okay, I'm going there this time. A little bit. As elections are being stolen and people are being fired for not getting their shots... And the spirit of Antichrist is paving the way for the actual Antichrist. People are being saved. To steal from Robert Frost, the road less traveled, and that has made all the difference. Does God still do miracles today? To quote Shirley in Minnesota, Yeah, sure, you betcha. I made that up. All right, we live in a special time, you and I. The age of grace, the church age, however you want to define it. But I like what Jesus said at the Last Supper. Mark 14, verse 23 through 25. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he, Jesus, said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. And assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Jesus was going to die. 
Jesus knew he was going to die. Jesus was going to accomplish his mission that he set out 33-ish years before. Jesus came to die, (laughs) to shed his blood. And when we do communion on the first Sunday of every month right here in the sanctuary, we are reminded of that blood that was shed for many, for you, for me, the new covenant. Now, I've gone over this up here before, but it's so important and worth repeating. Jesus was the only one qualified to pay the price for our sins. Because of Adam's sin in the garden, all of mankind was under the curse of that sin because we are all descendants of Adam. We were all in Adam when he sinned. Jesus was born of a virgin conceived of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' mom, Jesus with an S and an apostrophe at the end, Jesus' mom was Mary, but Jesus' dad is God. The virgin birth is a non-negotiable in the Christian faith. Jesus was not born into the sin nature like we were. He is sinless. He is God. John 1, 1 through 5. And I got in a, I got in a debate, I guess, a long time ago. I was kind of a new Christian, a Jehovah Witness, and he wanted to prove it to me that God was not, or that Jesus was not God and not God's only Son. And so I'm like, turn to John, John 1. And his Bible was different. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I know y'all have good versions. Uh, John 1 through, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That last sentence where the darkness did not comprehend it, it just means the darkness can't overcome the light. It just can't. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. In Genesis, God said, let there be light. God said, God spoke God's word, Jesus. In, the, in Genesis, there's two parts of the Bible where there's all three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. At the very beginning in Genesis, where the Holy Spirit's hovering over the water, and God is speaking, that's Jesus, and it's God the Father. All three of them are together. And then when Jesus got baptized, Jesus is there, he's being baptized, and there's a voice from heaven Well, first the Holy Spirit descends onto Jesus. And the voice from heaven, God the Father says, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so that's the two places in the Bible where all three are together. And so the spoken word of God is Jesus. And so when John says that nothing was made that was made that wasn't made, it was all made through Jesus, that's because God was speaking everything into existence out of nothing. And uh, the spoken word is God. And the word made flesh. And that's Jesus. There's a, there's a story, uh, a friend of mine, well, I used to work with at Family Life Radio, and he said this on the air one time. He said, uh, God, these scientists challenged God to a man-making contest. You know, we're getting pretty advanced in our technology, and some of it's pretty scary. But And so the scientists... Uh, challenged God to a man-making contest. And so 
God said, okay, you're on. And so then the scientists started gathering up dirt to make a, to make a man, and God said, get your own dirt. <laughs> That's pretty funny. All right, so Jesus is the only one qualified to pay for sin once and for all. And he did that willingly for us on the cross. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 22 through 24. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. We preach Christ crucified. It is the power of God in us. Because what he did for us on the cross, he actually shares his glory with us. He shares his Holy Spirit with us. We become one with him as he is one with the Father, John 17. Um, it's a miracle. Here's a simple way to understand what Jesus did for us on the cross. God is a holy, perfect God. Sin cannot be in his presence. By his very nature, he must judge sin, and his judgment is righteous and true. We can't go to heaven if we're sin, because we can't be in his presence if we're sin. But God is also love. He doesn't love. He is love. It is his very nature. So how in the world can God reconcile these two seemingly opposite things? Got to judge sin, but I'm also love. God had a brilliant plan. Go figure. God's brilliant, right? Yeah. So 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I know a lot of this is uh, the basics, but, you know, when you think about, like when you're playing basketball, what do you practice? You practice dribbling, you practice passing, you practice the basics. So this is really good encouragement. Uh, Because God loves us so much, and he put our sins on Jesus, your sins and mine are judged... Once for all time. Once for all time. Once for all time. Don't put Jesus back on the cross. He's resurrected. Your sins are forgiven. God gives you his righteousness as a gift. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? How can you pass up a deal like that? Maybe a better question is, how can you take advantage of a deal like that? Surely you must be super talented, wise, intelligent, gifted, athletic, and good-looking, right? This exclusive offer has to be only for the cool kids. Wrong again, and don't call me Shirley. You knew that was coming. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. All right. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm excited. Pastor Ben is diving into Ephesians at the beginning of the year. And I can't wait for him to get into this section of Ephesians. 
and to see how he unpacks this. It's one of my favorite sections of the Bible, these two verses, especially verse 10, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Your salvation is a gift from God, but not only that, he has plans for your life. He has plans for your life. Good works prepared beforehand. I get excited about that. Do you get excited about that? As a Christian and a Christ follower, you have his word that you are his workmanship and you will walk in good works. So awesome. But wait a minute, Mike. I know you. And I imagine if I knew you better, I would find out some things that, well, let's just say aren't exactly godly in your life and actions all the time. I know I struggle with stuff. If you're telling me that I'm righteous and holy as a gift from God, then why do I still sin? Why do I still worry? Why do I doubt God sometimes? What's up with that? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Make no mistake. God, through His Holy Spirit, is still perfecting you. And you have a part to play in that. Besides Ephesians, Romans, Hebrews, Psalm 103, Psalm 139, the Proverbs, etc., etc., one of my favorite parts of the Bible is John 14 through 17. Jesus is about to be betrayed and to go to the cross, and he has some final thoughts for the apostles. And I'm thinking if Jesus is imparting final thoughts, they might be important. You think? It might be, might be kind of important. So there are a bunch of real gems in, in here. And Jesus has some things to say about obedience as well as the importance of staying close to him. So John fourteen fifteen. if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then he goes on about, talk, about sending a helper, the Holy Spirit. So... If you love me, keep my commandments. But then he's like, I'm going to send you a helper who's going to help you do that. (laughs) So he's not going to leave us as orphans, it goes on to say in John 14. But if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you don't want me to zap you, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you want a bigger house and a new car, keep my commandments. No, we obey Jesus because we love him. Check this out. Luke 7, 40 through 47. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, You have rightly judged. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So I kind of experienced this in my own life when I lived in Tucson. 
Um, I used to work for Teen Challenge of Arizona. Teen Challenge is a place where men and women of all ages, not just teens, <laughs> uh, of all ages, uh, go for mostly drug and alcohol rehab. And instead of a 12-step program, it's a two-step program. Get to know Jesus, learn to walk with Jesus, rinse and repeat. And part of my job was telling the students stories, stories of redemption because of what Jesus did for them. I heard the same story over and over and over because of addiction to drugs and alcohol, honestly, mostly meth. They had stolen from their friends. They had stolen from their family. They had stolen from their parents. Their addiction led them to lives of crime, break-ins. Some of them turned to prostitution to pay for their addiction. They lost relationships. Parents, siblings disowned them. Kids were taken away by the state. They lost self-respect. They were condemned by the enemy. And then here comes Jesus. They get clean. They worship God in spirit and truth. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. Over time, their relationships with their parents and their family and their friends are restored. They get their kids back. They get jobs. They get married. Many of them go into the ministry. It's like a country song played backwards. Your dog comes running home. Mama gets out of jail. Man, I tell you, there's no worship like a worship service full of teen challenge students and graduates. Those men and women love God because they have been forgiven of so much. And they know where they came from. They know where they've been. They were broken. Their lives were over. And God restored them and gave them not just hope, but they're prospering a lot. I mean, pretty much everyone I worked with at Teen Challenge used to be in the program. So think about what you've been forgiven of. All right? Maybe you didn't steal from your parents for your next fix. I don't know. But when you think about what sin really is, there is not a person in here or listening online or to the podcast who has not fallen short of God's best by a lot. Those secrets that you will never tell anyone God knows. And by simple faith in Jesus, you are forgiven. And the benefits of staying close to Him? John 15, 5 through 8. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Books have been written about this passage. As we spend time in prayer, as we walk with the Lord, we are being transformed into the image of Christ. It's not always easy, these spiritual disciplines. But if you do your part, God has promised He will do His part. 
And did you know that God even promises to give us the desires of our heart? What? Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Told you. But think about what David is saying here, and even what Jesus is saying earlier. As you delight yourself in the Lord, as you behold him, as you remain plugged into the vine, as you are changed from glory to glory into the image of Christ, the desires of your heart will more and more and more match the desires of the Lord. This is how you discover the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to walk in. It is His will for your life, and you will be blessed, and you will be blessed to be a blessing. I have another story for you. When I accepted a full-time job at Family Life Radio, they hired me to work the morning show in Odessa, Texas. Also sometimes referred to as Odessalit, Texas. Don't get me wrong, people there are great. It's just kind of like, I did two years in Odessa. Oh yeah, what were you in for? You know. <laughs> but I kid because I love. Odessa was an amazing experience for me, uh, especially in hindsight. <laughs> Um, anyway, I volunteered for a ministry uh, called Mission Odessa. And what they did was they offered apartment complexes a structured night a week, uh, you know, in their area, whatever they call it, where kids could come, kind of like perpetual VBS. <laughs> That's really what it was. Vacation Bible school, arts and crafts and Sunday school lessons. It was great. Gluing macaroni on arcs drawn on construction paper, you know, stuff like that. Uh, it was really cool. And the parents in particular liked, uh, liked it. They would drop their kids off so they could go out and go party. But we had the kids. Uh, and uh, so whatever, we got to minister to those kids. And one night at the end of our time, you know, we got to know the kids really well. And one of the young ladies said, Mr. Mike, this is what they called Mr. Mr. Mike. Mr. Mike, I'd like to accept Jesus into my heart. <laughs> and I had the privilege of praying with her. And I can't imagine how many seeds were planted through that ministry or watered through that ministry, et cetera, et cetera. So those of you that work in the children's ministry, think about that. Uh, you know, and also those listening online who volunteer in their churches or other ministries, as you walk in good works, prepared in advance by the Lord, you're making an eternal difference. In the lives of those kids, you will, you, you will never know how much impact you had this side of heaven. And it's not just the kids' ministry. Everyone in here <laughs> hugs everybody when they come in. We don't know who's going to come through those doors. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know what their hurts are. And you love on them. God's love is here. You're saving lives. I guarantee you're saving lives. And you're encouraging. It's what happened to me. <laughs> I was in my apartment for a year after my mom died, sad and upset. And I'll get more into that a little bit later. Not so much my personal experience with that, but Satan was really beating me up. And just kind of a preview of what's coming, um, I was having worldly sorrow. I was worldly sorrow. I was having a self-pity party. And Satan was beating me up, and I was 
defenseless for some reason. Pastor Ben's like, hey, Mike, get out of there. Let's have coffee. <laughs> and I've told this story before, but, um, you know, I started coming back. Nathalie met me at the door. Welcome back to your family, Mike. I'm like, I didn't think you'd even recognize me. <laughs> you know, it's like that love. You're saving lives, people, and all the other ministries that you're working in right now. Mel's editing the podcast. That po- who knows where that podcast goes? And all of Pastor Ben's teaching is on that podcast. Reaching people all over the place. You just have no idea what impact you're having because God created good works for you to walk in in advance. And you're being obedient to that. Let me address another benefit of the new covenant. When you accept the gift of God through His Son, Jesus, and His shed blood on the cross, and His resurrection, you receive the very righteousness of God. This means you also receive a new identity in Christ. You get a new identity. You're no longer a liar, so quit lying. You're no longer a fornicator, so don't have sex with people that you aren't married to. You are no longer a drunkard, so, I don't know, be filled with wine. I'm sorry, I messed that up. But don't be filled with wine, but with uh, with the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh, you guys found me out. I've already told that story too. So don't be filled with wine, but with the Holy Spirit. And Satan wants to discourage you when you mess up. So remind him of this. Proverbs 24.16 For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. And, you know, I think the Chinese stole this, too, out of the Bible. There's a Chinese proverb, a righteous man falls seven times and gets up eight. It's, they almost stole it word for word. Um, but, you know, Proverbs 24.16, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. When you fall, get up. As one of my favorite pastors says, When you mess up, fess up. First John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful and just. And just there is a legal term. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you now have standing, also a legal term, to come to Christ, to come to God's throne. And you come to the throne of grace and you're cleansed. Not for salvation, As a Christian, you're already saved, but to keep your heart soft towards God. It's kind of like when Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples. And Peter's like, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. You're not my servant. And Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then Peter's like, being Peter, well, then wash all of me. (laughs) Jesus is like, no, you don't need a bath. Same with us. We don't need a bath. But when you mess up, Fess up, run to God, 1 John 1, 9 it, as I like to say, and get your heart right with God. Do it quickly, because if you don't, and you keep on sinning, then you run the risk of your heart being seared, and then you start thinking, well, maybe what I'm doing isn't wrong. And that's dangerous. So I don't want that to happen to anybody. Um, Satan will lie to you and say, well, you're not really a Christian, or you wouldn't have done that thing that you shouldn't have done. And God reminds us that we are His kids. We have His Holy Spirit inside of us. We feel bad because the Holy Spirit convicts us. 
But don't let Satan lie to you. There's no condemnation in Christ. There's a difference. Godly sorrow leads to repentance in 1 John 1, nine. Worldly sorrow leads to condemnation and more sorrow, which separates us even more from God, like I was talking about earlier. The difference there is I was having a self-pity party. It was about me and my hurt feelings and the things I did wrong. And I was, and Satan was beating me up over it. And it was more and more and more worldly sorrow where I was not asking for forgiveness. I didn't think I deserved forgiveness. And as Pastor Ben likes to remind us, God forgave you. You're not above God. Forgive yourself and get your forgiveness from God. I didn't do that for a year. And Satan was beating me up. That's worldly sorrow. That's about you. Godly sorrow is running to God and getting your forgiveness and really receiving it. I had to fight for that forgiveness. So remind yourself and let God remind you who you are in Christ. By grace, through faith, you are the righteousness of God. Confess your sin. Dust yourself off. Go and sin no more. And if you fall seven times, get back up eight or nine, which would be weird because you'd get up twice without falling. Anyway, uh, Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are His. You're His. And He is never going to let you go. And if you practice what Jesus asked you to practice and what Paul asked you to practice, if you will plug into the vine, Jesus said you're going to become more like him. Paul said if you behold Jesus, you will be transformed. You will be changed from glory to glory to faith to faith into the image of Christ. Be careful. Be careful. When you mess up, and you will, because you're a people, don't let Satan lie to you. Don't let Satan beat you up. Go to God and get your forgiveness, and get back up. This is why Pastor Ben always says, we love each other back to life. We love each other back to life. There is no perfect person in this church, or that church, or any of the churches. We need to be encouragers. And we encourage each other in the Word of God, through His Holy Spirit. And so when you're loving on each other, you're saving lives, you're making differences in people's lives. When you're serving others, you're making a difference in people's lives. When people come through here and they bring someone who doesn't know Christ, and we're sharing Christ with them through the Word, through the worship, through our actions, through our love, people are coming into the kingdom. It's a miracle. It's happening every week. Not just here, but across the this broken country of ours. And don't you buy it for one second. When people say this is not a Christian nation anymore, 
Culturally, they might be right, and evil certainly has seized power. And uh, I get really angry about all of that, but I've learned uh, to keep my eyes on Jesus. That's where my peace is. Um, I can't... I can watch the news and I can't get angry, but I got I got to go back. Okay, God, you said this things were going to happen, and we see the holy, we see the Antichrist paving the way for the actual, the spirit of Antichrist paving the way for the actual Antichrist. In a way, I get excited. You know, I was, you know, I get to edit the radio shows, right? So, Pastor Ben's going through Matthew, so at eight thirty, you can listen to him again. And um, Pastor Ben was saying, we're, we're almost exactly a year ago in the, in the teaching. And he was talking about getting excited about these times. Because when you're faced with the impossible like that, when evil is increasing like that, we already know that we have God's promises that that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. We already know that. And so we can look forward to being used mightily by the Lord in these times. So whatever it is for you, as you plug into the vine, as you behold Christ, as you become more and more like Him, as you walk with Him, as you fall down seven times and get back up and get back up and get back up, and as you become more like Jesus, then you discover, and the Holy Spirit guides you. And you start volunteering, you start doing things, you do random acts of kindness, whatever it is. You find out as you go that God has prepared for you good works in advance for you to walk in. And it's making a huge difference. So as we get ready to close, I just want to... Um, we are going home early tonight, so that's probably good news. Um, more good news. It's not the good news, but it's good news. Um, you know, uh, as we close, you know, I just want to make that offer. And I don't make the offer. I just, you know, invite. You know, Christ already made the way on the cross. You know, in the Old Testament, you were saved by faith. You know, it wasn't keeping the law. The law showed you you couldn't keep the law. <laughs> and so even in the Old Testament, people were saved by faith. Abraham left his country for a country unknown. God didn't tell him where he was going, and he did it by faith. He was saved by faith. The whole heroes of the faith thing that we talked about a couple other times when I was up here. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, God's really made it simple for us. He did all the work. He paid a big price for our salvation. And then it's just ours for the taking. And then we get all these benefits of, you know, walking with God for eternity. Uh, it's really hard to turn down. So if you're listening to my voice on the podcast or watching online, or even if you're here and you haven't uh, accepted God's gift of His Son, I would encourage you to do that. And... Uh, you know, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, you can't come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws you. And if He's drawing you right now, I would just encourage you to say this simple prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for sending Your Son to die a death I couldn't, 
couldn't die to, to pay a debt I couldn't pay. And you paid that for me on the cross. And you didn't stay on the cross. Your blood was shed, but then you rose again. And you're sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so I do believe that you that your son died for my sins. I do believe that he is sitting at the right hand of God, making intercessory prayer, prayer for me. And so I accept your gift of life. And I just thank you. I'm a sinful person, but you forgive my sins. Thank you for your forgiveness and life in you forever and ever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.